Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everybody. Welcome back to Frat Chat. This is Mikey, your co-host. And your other co-host, Carson. What's up, everybody? Back at it again for another week of whatever the fuck we have to talk about. Week eight. Week eight of just nonsense and... <laughs> and you know what? I fucking love every second of it. I do too, man. I love all this. I love this uh, nonsensical conversation. It's something I really loved. Like, I really literally look forward to calling you every fucking week and just having this one-hour conversation with you. It's like, yeah. like, I do things I love, but this is something I truly love. And it just makes yeah. me happy doing it. Yeah, see, I record my uh, my own podcast um, uh, for 30-minute 30, 30 podcast every week. And that is a lot more of a effort than this is. Because oh. I, I, I have to, you know, kind of think of things to say the whole time and have to put things together and try my best not to sound rambly and disjointed. But talking to you, like us talking on the phone, it's so fucking natural. It feels so, uh, it feels so free. I it, I barely even remember that we're recording it. Yeah, no, that's such a beautiful part too, man. It's like it's so effortless, and it's just us. I love it. I love you, buddy. I love you, Carson. I'd also like to shout out Mikey, um, real quick on the podcast. You guys are uh, are, are frequent listeners. You probably know that. Mikey's a uh, a member of the LGBTQ spectrum. I am, and he has recently made the vow to uh, not eat hate chicken anymore. <laughs> I have not made the vow. He's a Popeyes boy now. If you ever see but Mikey at a Chick Fil A, you're allowed to just fucking uh, just tear him to pieces. <laughs> if you ever see him there, or ever see him on social media, there, just you light him up. It's so because he has made the vow personally to me that he'll never enter a Chick Fil A again. I have not, <laughs> but you know, they, Carson brought up a good point after the episode last week. We were talking about fucking Chick Fil A and Popeyes, and they've donated to fucking what do they donate to? Anti-gay charities, anti-gay like convert, charities, like conversion groups and stuff. Pray the gay away, like what the fuck? I don't know if they actually do that, but like I've heard that saying, "Pray the gay away." <laughs> hey, that's that's a basic sense of what it actually is. It's basically your faith in it. It's kind of like rehab. Uh, the oh way I, I I don't believe that rehab should be a, a, a religious thing. A lot of places uh, kind of go off the, the the philosophy of there's no cure for addiction except for your faith in God, and that's just Damn. bullshit. Like if, if I mean that's just that's not based on anything. It works for a lot of people, and that's awesome. But I'll, I'll it, it's not that. an across the board solution. And so it, it, it was, I was just gonna say that. So for. As far as conversion therapy goes, that's even more fucked up because you're taking somebody who that's who they are as a person and you're telling them that not only is it wrong, but they should be able to change themselves through their faith in God. That's so whack. That's I'm like shaking my head like, oh, that's how I feel. Oh, fuck. I like, and, yeah, you're right. In AA, they the 12 steps, all that, it's very, very based off of, like, spirituality and God. Not necessarily God. I mean, they do say God. Some Actually, 
No, they say higher power. It is. It's, and I like. I do like that aspect. Yeah, they switched like, it to. It used to be God, but they switched it to higher power. I don't know when. It was like the nineties or something. Also, real quick, I want to say the podcast. Wherever you're listening on to it, wherever you're listening to it right now, it is on Spotify now, and it's gonna be on probably. I'm pretty sure every major podcasting platform, uh, thanks to Anchor. So shout out to Anchor for making that fucking shit so easy. I just literally signed up. And boop. And shout out to my friend Tyler, who also did a podcast um, in Longwood where we went to college. He did a weekly podcast, Music of Longwood, I think it's called, Daily Dose of, Ty- Daily Dose of Tyler and all. He DM'd me saying, hey, go on Anchor. So Tyler, thank you so fucking dearly much for doing that because this is just... This has helped us get to the next step of where we just want to be. I mean, where we want to be is I'm just doing this, and I love it, but it's helping us reach a broader audience. So thank you very much, Tyler. I really fucking appreciate that so much from the bottom of my heart. So if you're listening to this on Spotify right now, hell yeah, hit that follow button if you would like to. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, uh, before we get too far into it, we always, we always, we, we try to do segments and try to, you know, make these things happen, but then we end up just starting the conversation, and uh, <laughs> and we have to catch up to our ideas. So <laughs> uh, I'm gonna start this out with a, a segment we've been doing weekly called Story Time, uh, where we go back and forth and, and tell different stories from our past. Uh, it's my turn this week, and you know, my last story I told was about a crazy hookup in a car. So I thought it would only be appropriate that this week I uh, talk about a uh, a crazy hookup in a car. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I promise they're not going to be all this. They're not going to be all this. It's just the the first two stories that came to mind. And, um, and I'll just get into it. When I was in high school, I had to be in 10th or 11th grade. W- one of the two. No, I, it was 11th grade because I was driving. Youngin. Wait, you were driving? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Um, and so I was... You know, I was driving around doing my thing and this girl uh, had me like come meet her mm-hmm. and I went Excellent. and we, we hung out. We just hung out for a little bit and then at a certain point in the evening it got dark and it was probably like 8 o'clock. It was starting to, you know, the lights were starting to go down at around 8.30, 9 o'clock uh, I go to take her home. And then she gets really flirtatious with me. This is a girl that I've uh, hooked, I had hooked up with um, a a couple times before. It was kind of just like a a fuck buddy situation. Nice. And, um, and neither of us had houses, obviously. She lived with her mother and I lived with my parents. So that was out of the question. (laughs) But she wanted to hook up. So the car is the uh, moving bedroom. You know what they say? You know what I just made (laughs) up? And, and, to be clear, this is before I smoked pot, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't hip to the different places you gotta park your car to not look suspect. <laughs> <laughs> because if I knew that stuff, I, I wouldn't have made this uh, I wouldn't have made this call. Oh gosh, but, where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> so we're just driving through like a uh, kind of suburbany area, and. She's like trying to like get up all on me, kiss me while I'm driving. And I'm like, all right, I got to pull over. We got to go somewhere. And I, it's nighttime, like dark, completely black outside. I pull into a church parking lot 
and there's nobody else in the church parking lot. Hold up. If and you I'm haven't like, hooked up in a church parking lot, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. What are you doing? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've done that too. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's always the move. It's always the move. But the point is, it's always the move during the day. Yeah. When the, when there's a reason for cars to be in the church parking lot. Oh, maybe that's the uh, maybe that's the priest. He's here doing some stuff. Oh no, God. it's the middle of the night. Nobody else is there. And my fucking beat up Honda Civic just pulls its ass right into a parking spot. Maybe you got to hit that late night confession. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> got to break in to, to see the priest. <laughs> Father, forgive me. I have sinned. Oh, no, but I, I hadn't. The worst part about hooking up in the fucking church is that Jesus is watching. No, nah, he's inside. View. He's he, he's inside. Uh, oh. He's watching through. He's watching through the window. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. He's got his binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think he has X-ray I, vision. I don't think he needs binoculars. But <laughs> that's true. Jesus does have X-ray vision. I, I remember that part of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Corinthians seven, yeah. chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I pull in, and I'm at least smart enough to turn my headlights off and turn the car off. Um, there you go. There you go. But, you know, we're we're moving around in there. We got our phone lights on and, and stuff. It's clear that there's people in the car. In, in the car, you had the phone lights on? Yeah. Yeah, like, well, we're just like, we, you know, there's movement. You can see it. If you were looking from outside, you could see stuff was happening. Yeah. And, you know, we start going at it. Uh, I get my shirt off. Uh, my pants are I'm left in just my underwear uh, she's left in basically all just her underwear she takes her skirt off and her shirt and uh, we're, we're making out in the passenger seat mm-hmm. and the windows in the in, in the joint all fog up as they do when you got the car turned off and you're and you're doing something like that yeah it gets hot and heavy it gets hot and heavy and I'm just about to take her bra off oh. and right when that happens I fucking just the car is engulfed in red and blue lights. Chill. I'm like, motherfucker. Oh, no. Now, I, during the time of this story, I'm like 16. Yeah. And and this girl is 19. Oh, what? Yeah. You're pulling. I mean, that's like, that could be viewed as pedophilism or whatever the fuck. That could be viewed just very sketchy, but like. Statutory. It's statutory. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. But and, damn, but damn, Carson. Okay, how did that happen? And so uh, <laughs> we're basically almost naked. So I just throw a t-shirt on. I'm just in my <laughs> underwear and a t-shirt. I don't have time to get everything together. By the time he pulls up to the, he walks up to the window. I see his flashlight walking up. Oh, uh, God. She has time to get a skirt, her skirt over her legs, and her shirt on, but not buttoned. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the cop pulls over to the window. I uh, I roll it down. I'm like, "How you uh, how you doing, officer?" <laughs> Literally caught red-handed. <laughs> Literally caught red-handed. And he said, uh, "What are you kids doing in here?" And I, at this point, I I have no interest in lying to him. I, yeah. I can't say, "Oh, we're just uh, you know praising God." I I got no options. I know how lie. you are under pressure sometimes. I I've seen you. Yeah. So I just said, uh, "Honestly, sir." Uh, I, I was. We were just making out. Um, I'm sorry. I know this is probably uh, a bad spot to do it. We can leave. Absolutely. And he was super nice. He was like, he laughed a little bit, and he was like, 
you guys are fine. Yeah, you know, you got to go, but you guys are absolutely fine. Don't don't even worry about it. Y'all have a great day. And he just hops in his car go? and he leaves. What? And that is probably my biggest example of how uh, of how white privilege helped me get through a situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> just got in his car and left. He saw what we was were, going on and just left? I mean, he was a younger cop, so I'm sure he had the empathy of like, hey, I've tried yeah. to hook up with a chick in a car before. We've all been there. But he was pretty, pretty cool about it. That's and, such a refreshing uh, feeling to, find, to see a cop like that, like a cool cop, so to say. Now, an empathetic it, cop, like you said. Now, the the reason I say the white privilege thing is, uh, is this girl was black. But I'm sure if it was reversed, like if like the, it's a situation where the guy's black and the girl's white, that cop is searching the car. He's got the yeah. canines on the way. Most definitely. I, Most oh my definitely. God. Let that me see your IDs. <laughs> Yo, I don't know if I ever talked about this, but that reminds me of a time we were at Beach Week, and me and two of my friends had decided to drop a tab, and um, it was we had themes every night of the week when we were drinking. So this theme this night was costume night. And I decided to be like Gucci Mane type rapper type. So I drew some face tattoos on my face with the Sharpie. And we had been drinking a little bit, I think. But either way, me and my friend and my other friend, I, was, I had some tabs and I was like, hey, you guys want to drop? And I'm just, they're just like, yeah. And so we drop. Hour goes by. We're at that house. And we decide to go to the other people's house. One of my friends was living at another house or renting another house on the beach. And so he had gone earlier. But me and my friend, who was a girl, we, had, we started walking to their house. And it was like a, it was in a OBX, so it was like the houses were all on the beach. It was literally sa- like they were built on the sand type shit, and so like sand roads and everything. And so we were walking like about quarter mile, half mile, and we were walking. And then we got like a cop drove by next to us, and he stopped us, and he's talking to us, and he's like, "Hey, is everything all right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm answering. I'm like, yeah, everything's fine." And he's looking at my friend who and like who's the girl, and like, "Is everything all right? Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Oh Jesus, like." Yes, we're all right. Like, but I, he wanted her to answer. That was just interesting. He, I, he's yeah. probably concerned for her. I mean, like, I had fucking face tattoos on me. <laughs> I'm looking like a thug. I'm looking like a crackhead. Not that face tattoos make you look like a crackhead, but like, sharpie ones do. No, but they do make you look a certain type of way. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's one I'll ever truly get over. I don't. I don't judge anybody for what they do to their body. Like, if somebody's got, like, tattoos all over their body or if they've got piercings, I don't care. It doesn't make me think twice about them. But yeah. if you've got tattoos on your face, I'm like, do you, like, do you not want a job? I mean, I get that. <laughs> I actually wanted, I, I've told you, I've probably told you this at the time, and you probably told me, don't fucking do that. But to the viewers and to everyone listening, I definitely wanted a money bag tattoo under my eyes, like, on the corner of my eyes, because, like, if I have bags, like... Oh, the money bags are just weigh my eyes down, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm all about the money, bro. And then I'm pretty sure you told me that was fucking stupid. And that I was like, I, I just had the urge. I was like, this is going to get me famous, like, overnight. Like, yes, I know it. Dude, my parents would have been so disappointed in me. See, not that, that I, not that that's at the, the forefront of my mind, but, like, yeah, they would have been disappointed in me. <laughs> see you see all you see rappers all these rappers that get face tattoos and they blow up and everybody's like man they're like they got all these fucking tattoos on their face and they got rich and famous 
But what they don't show is all the people that got face tattoos <laughs> that didn't get famous. <laughs> One of my plugs actually got some face tattoos recently. It looks pretty dope. He got like a lean cup on the side of his face. And um, he's, well, he's making, I'll say he's making moves. Like, he does a lot of shit in D.C. Like, you know, D.C.'s legal to an extent. And um, he also is like a manager for music. So he's like in the business like that, you know, and he's building and building. He actually got a feature with a local D.C. artist. Or he, he got not, he, his artist had got a feature with a local D.C. artist, which I was very surprised about. But um, you know me and my little Uzi Vert obsession. Uh, I was actually watching a video about Uzi, and they were saying about his how his face tattoo, he did it, his first face tattoo, it was faith on his hairline, because he knew that he wasn't going to live a regular life, and he had to have faith that he would make it, and I thought that was really fucking cool. And that's no, that, not the case for that everybody. Is cool. That is cool, but uh, yeah, it's. I think that most of the time you do something like that, it's a, it's not going to work out. Just statistically speaking, I'm not, and it's not <laughs> on an individual basis, like, most people that get tattoos on their face aren't going to end up being famous rappers. Now, if you're in the music industry or in some type of entertainment, that might work. There's certain industries that you can pull something like that off and it's fine. But 90% of shit in the world, that's a, that's a decent job. You can't have face tattoos. It's just the world we live in right now. Yeah, nobody, like, it, it's not even the sad truth. It's just a truth that employers look at you and that's not what they want representing their company you know that's not what they want representing their business that's not what they want when people walk in the door and that's the first impression they get is oh this guy's a face tattoo it's just it's just a fucking thing you know yeah there's the, it, yeah it's not even like that employers are gonna think less of you as a person it's that they, they know might. their customer well they might but <laughs> even if they don't they know that a lot of their customers are they're just yeah. aware of that, that somebody, yeah, somebody's going to walk into the store, walk into wherever, they're going to see you, and they're going to have a certain type of feeling about that, and it's not going to be positive. It's just, that that's just the case, unfortunately. It might change within a generation. Tattoos have gotten a lot less taboo. Yeah, most definitely. You go in an office building, and people have sleeves. Yeah. People have like, fucking sleeves. I, I had teachers with tattoo sleeves They in probably have school. to wear long sleeves, don't they? Actually, they wear long sleeves, but they have they have them up to their hands, so you can see them on their hands. And sometimes they'll show you. They'll be they'll be like, "Yeah, you ask them, well, you have tattoo sleeves." And they're like, "Yeah, check them out." And it, they're a teacher, they're an educator, but they have tattoo sleeves. That's pretty dope. Like they had a fucking past. They did things that they wanted to do, and boom, they're doing what they want to do now. Hopefully, which is teaching. I don't imagine why you would get into teaching and not want to be a teacher and have the patience to be a teacher. But there are some people like that. Now there are uh, my parents for a long time. They're, they're just being concerned. They're just looking out for us. But to me and my sister, they're like, don't they? They have always been like, don't get visible tattoos. Don't get any visible tattoos because you won't get hired. And that's the world they grew up in. Is yeah. if you had visible tattoos, you're not going to get hired. So they're just speaking from their personal experience. So I completely understand it. But my sister and I have been telling them forever. That's not how the world is now. Yeah. You know, you can you can have a tattoo on your arm and nobody's going to think twice about it. Like people, and, a lot of people have hand tattoos too, like little dainty hand tattoos. Yeah. I mean, like finger tattoos. It, it's whatever. Exactly. Uh, I am glad I didn't get that money back tattoo. I feel like that just wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> I wasn't. That's not my route to whatever I want to do. That's not my route to success. And 
I'm just glad I didn't get it. <laughs> um, I got something I want to talk about this week, though. And yeah. um, it's actually was brought up to me by a friend of ours, Dante. So if you're listening to this, Dante, thank you for bringing it up to me. But it's um, the incident with Will and Jada Smith. And now, you're, you're going to have to kind of walk me through this because I've heard the basics. I've also kind of known about this situation for a long time. Not about the specifics because that's only come out recently. But yeah, it, it, it's I remember in an interview that Jada Pinkett gave uh, a long time ago, they asked, "Is does Will cheat on you? They basically point blank asked her. Really? Because he, he seemed to act in a certain way with other women that was not indicative of a faithful husband. And, uh, and what you expect when you ask a woman like that, does your husband cheat on you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Me and Will love each other very much. That's not what she said. Oh my God. She said, she said, he's his own man. He can do what he pleases. And that, see, I didn't know that. I know that this, all of this, all of this happened four years ago, but something that I heard in the interview was Will saying, get, I got to get back at you. Like, I'm going to get back at you in a joking manner, but like. She was like, it's not about that. Oh, you already did. Like, and I guess that ties in with implying that Will has been like that for forever. And this incident isn't getting, Jada wasn't getting back at Will. Like, and Will can't get, doesn't have to get back at Jada. Like, like Will has been like, apparently, I guess if what you're saying is true or what she was well, implying it, is true, it's like Will has it been do, like It that. doesn't necessarily mean that he cheated on her. Yeah. It yeah, just yeah. means that she did not care if he did. Like, I don't care what my husband does, to be honest with you. Like, if he, I don't, I don't know if my husband cheats, but if he does, fuck it. I don't care. He's his own man. That's not, it's just more paints their marriage as yeah. unhappy. Yeah. Oh. Oof. Ugh. But you said I got to walk you through. I actually was pre- kind of preparing for this. And, like, initially, you know, I didn't watch the video. I didn't watch a video. I watched a 12 minute video. Um, before this, but I hadn't watched that. I had just watched a Snapchat story thing. You know how they have those news things. And it was just talking about, like, briefly gla- glazing over, like, some of the some of the snippets of the episode, or of, of the red table, they call it. And, um, so, Jada and Will had been kind of on a rocky, very, like, just bad path. And Will even said, like, oh, like, I don't think that we were gonna actually make it through what we were going through. And so they took like a break. They took an undetermined break for however long. And I, oh, but let me, before I, like, before I continue, I thought that this problem, like, shouldn't have even been addressed publicly. Like, why is this in the public eye? But later, as I delved in deeper to it, it's, I'm really glad it is in the public eye. And I'll elaborate in a little bit. But, um, so it happened four years ago. And they didn't think that they were going to get, well, they didn't think they were going to get back together. Um, but what this brought up for me is how, important opening up this kind of dialogue is for our society because i i see these memes all the time like oh gen z can throw a fucking tear gas grenade into the police and do this and that and the other but they can't schedule a doctor's appointment this is a beautiful and perfect example of a party a married a married uh situation where they are comfortable enough and open enough to talk about what happened and make an example of it too in the public eye, which I think we need that nowadays, especially with things like Gen, like like stereotypes like Gen Z doesn't know how to talk and be a, be open like that. And it was just, it was good. I think it's good. I think it's really good. I, 
now just to quickly address that point of uh of younger people not knowing how to talk i think those jokes come from a place of anxiety young people have anxiety at higher rates than they ever have uh, just documented cases of anxiety most definitely most definitely and it's because of the internet it's because of a lack of connection um it's it's because it's a lot easier to um to make friendships without being person to person uh so that, that, a lot yeah that person to person communication becomes almost foreign or uh less used so when it does happen um younger people aren't as comfortable with it that's where all this anxiety comes from and i i don't think that honesty has anything to do with it though because i really think that people our age are incredibly honest are are incredibly honest about their thoughts their feelings if not a bit dramatic at times but still honest i beg to differ i know a fuck ton of people that just hide in their show not okay that sounds horrible part i i can't take that back but i know a ton of people that don't express themselves and don't speak their minds and you know the older generation has a very hard time understanding this depression and anxiety epidemic so to say problem in our in our that's prevalent in our um, era and you know their answer is just get over it we had it <laughs> do you don't think i'm depressed do you don't think we were depressed we just got over it like what there's so many different problems that they just don't understand that they will never understand and i'm speaking they as in adults that i know that i've had personal experience with and i'm generalizing that amongst a lot of the older generation but that's from my personal experience well it's the, it's the same idea as white privilege it's you know a white person that doesn't want to address their white privilege they say well i haven't had everything handed to me my life's hard too um and that's not what it's about it's not about anybody's life being uh being on a person by person basis harder it's a it's a societal issue and that's where that argument falls flat a little bit like just get over it. we had to deal with stuff you don't think our lives are hard and that doesn't fix the immediate problem it's different yeah it's just different and i'm also not trying to say that our lives are harder than their lives because i don't think that's necessarily true it's just we face different issues and this Most lack definitely. of this lack of effective communication uh, just continues to feed into those issues getting worse. And that's why I was saying about the open communication and that being a good example. Jada said um, it's healing that needs to happen. Even the, even though it's minuscule, there is it's excuse me, even though it's minuscule. It's these kind of things that create the world we're in and the idea of not communicating, not talking about it, not clearing the air versus just being transparent that I think that's great. She's telling people are eating this up and like, she's addressing that we need to just be open about our problems and open about the things like this and not also, and she's also talking in the sense of the media. Like she doesn't want media to like misconstrue their words because I've, I've heard that like August, the guy, the guy Jada had a, entanglement with as she put it <laughs> i love how she referred to that as an entanglement i mean that's an accurate description to be honest of what they got into but like i believe august was saying that oh will gave me his blessing like 
Jada cleared that up. She said Will did not give him his blessing, but they were in a break at the time. So she said that she thinks that he August didn't want people to think he was a homewrecker, so to say, when it was okay at the time where Jada was Jada and Will were separated. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I hope a communication is very important to me. What were you about to say? No, that that is really fucking cool because. There are so many issues like that, especially in relationships, that uh, the problem, I think I talked about this on our our episode where we talked about God. Um, I, I think the issues with the Christian church are that everybody has to act like their lives are awesome and that there's no bad things going on. Because if you address yeah. the bad things, then it opens you up to being like, well... Do you not appreciate God? Do you not have faith in God? Do you not think God loves you? It, it, it's just toxic, and it's not the way the church should function. It's not what it's founded on. I think the same thing has happened in different parts of life, and social media and the internet has been the the reason. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. We post, like, it's been a problem with our generation that people get depressed because and people destroy their image of themselves and they just compare because they see all these good things on Instagram. I'm at a point where I take it with a grain of salt, you know? I'm happy for whoever, but people get jealous. People get envious and people just get sad when they see things like that and they see unrealistic expectations and they put that upon themselves. And that's just bad. And the fact that even these two, this legendary star, Will Will Smith, has these problems, just like any other person it makes this situation even more relatable and it makes it great even in the context of relationships because you know someone sees this in a relationship in a rocky relationship and they can apply what they have seen to their relationship too i i think it's the uh yeah what's so you you kind of hit the nail on the head what what's so great about this about them being such a a famous quote-unquote power couple and their family is, too. In a family, uh, addressing these issues of of fidelity and trust and love is that when it comes to the social media thing and why everybody is ba- trying to base their lives off of other people's and trying to you know compare themselves constantly, it's because nobody puts an accurate representation of themselves. That's where the dishonesty. I think that's what you were talking about earlier about dishonesty. That's where it comes from is nobody puts an accurate representation of themselves on the internet. They put the best possible representation of themselves, even if it's a lie. So if you're in an unstable, unhappy marriage, nobody on your Facebook feed knows. They think you guys are perfect for each other because you only post the good times. When you're lying about, yeah. Hmm. And okay, so another part Jada addressed that she said is you can't find, you can't find happiness outside of yourself. She learned that through this um, ordeal. And I was surprised. How do I put this? It's just, it was intriguing to me at such an old age of her. And I'm saying she's old, but, you know, she's an adult. She's probably 40, 50 years old. I don't know how old she is. But, you know, it takes, there's no problem with people realizing at different ages. It takes, that, that, that happiness comes with from within and not from outside. But she said that she wanted to feel good. And that's why she tried to, she, she did what she did. And she was saying, she was talking about how much of a joy it was to heal somebody. 
And um, she was saying about how being drawn to people that needed help, she was drawn to people that needed help. And um, it made it easier for her to, excuse me, it made it easier for her to help somebody that needed help that was broken instead of fixing her own issues. And I can very much relate to that. When I was younger, I mean, when I was younger, I didn't realize how broken I was, how not put together my pieces were. And I still wanted to help people. Like I wanted to help. I, I kind of wanted, I didn't want to fix people, so to say. I still want to help people. I don't ever try to fix them. But she, like she said, I want to fix them. Um, yeah. I get, I can relate to that. And no, that, that 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 is a super relatable quality is to be unhappy and to try to use your own kindness in your own um I, th- that's me whenever I talk to people about dating and relationships I have no experience in dating and relationships but I want to help these people I want to do everything I can to help them and give them the right advice even though I don't have probably the right advice and it's because I am unhappy with my uh, with my own situation not that I want to date anybody or not that I want to be in a relationship but I've just never found that that feeling and so when somebody has it I want to I want to help them instead of helping ever helping myself I will say there is a big I hear you and there's a big difference between helping somebody with good intentions and trying to fix them because like fixing is just such a a different thing than helping, you know. No, you're right. You're right. It, but that's that's where it goes to, is you you have this idea. Oh, I'm helping this person, but in reality, you're trying to take control of their life. Uh, not not even in a in a in a bad or it can mean get or malicious that. way. It gets it to get- that. Like I never, all my, the help I try to offer my friends and people I love or even random people comes from a place of, I want to help you. I'm happy. This is my life experience. Maybe it can help you, you know, but it's not like, oh, you're doing this wrong. Fix this, this, this. Like it's a genuine place in my heart, you know? Yeah. Something Will said, he said, excuse me. I'm gonna love my baby. I'm gonna stand by her no matter what. I literally, I love that he said that because yeah. marriage is a fucking hard thing. Marriage is not easy. I don't understand it. I'm sure you don't understand it. But like, dude, you're together with somebody for years. Years and years and years and years and years. You're growing. You're constantly growing with that person. You are with that person all the time. Marriage cannot be easy. They, the way that they function in this, is it's just, it makes me happy because... They can go through all of this and still be okay. I had a conversation with Dante and he was just saying how sad Will looked and how sad was Will was and like how sad it was it could be. I genuinely hope that Will Smith is in a happy place. They were saying that, you know, you have to go through things sometimes to get to a better place. And that's completely true. You gotta hit you gotta hit your lows to to get to your highs. Yeah. And Will Will Smith in that interview is just cracking jokes left, right, and center. I guess that's the type of guy he is. I'm not sure, but I think that's part of a defense mechanism, in some ways. And yeah, because when I when I'm I know just me personally when I'm presented with a uh, stressful situation where I got to talk about something that's a, a heavy topic I'm involved in, 
the entire time I just crack jokes. <laughs> I got plenty of friends like that, and I do that sometimes too. It just it lightens it up. If you if you've been through it, then you can joke about it. You know, it just shows yeah. almost that you you are done with it almost. You know. Yeah, but it's uh, also I also think it's false too because I it 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 can show like I'm just like oh I'm super over this I'm just handling it and that's why I have the ability to joke about it but it also is a deflection tactic in a lot of ways yeah I could see that because they they do the same thing drug addicts do the same thing um where you know somebody will approach them about hey man I think you've been drinking too much and he's like oh yeah I'm you know I'm just getting drunk every single morning you know Uh... me Drinking tequila shots, all that, just just some silly little shit like that, just to completely diffuse the argument. Yeah, be like you're so your argument is so silly that I'm I'm just gonna like not even give it credit by taking by making jokes. I'm not saying that's what Will was doing, but it is that is a deflection tactic. Yeah, well, in a lot of, of ways. Part of me thought maybe he was because now you say it, it makes a lot more sense to me. Like I, the words have been put into my thoughts have been put into words, and like part of me is looking at him like i'm not sure if he's just like blown and sad and just like yep this happened well like fuck like like this is the the truth and like was he sad about that i don't know but Jada went on to say later like at the end of all of this you know they're at a new place of unconditional love and i truly hope that because that's a lot to go through that's a lot to go through and you can only hope that that's something like that makes the relationship stronger jada is also saying how much she grew because of that she realized, quote, um, she learned a lot about um, emotion. She learned about a lot about her emotional insecurity and uh, immaturity, and she grew from that. And as she was realizing a lot of things about the um, insecurity and uh, what do you call it, immaturity, August had just completely cut it off. And that brings me to another point of everything happens for a reason. I don't know if he cut it off because I don't know what August and fucking Jada did. Or if the, he, she was even telling him, hey, like, this is happening and, like, I'm realizing this. But if he just cut it off cold turkey without any explanation, you know, she learned what she had to do. She learned what she had to learn and she's in a better place. And they're at a better place in their marriage now. And that all yeah. happened to be at a better place, perhaps. I'm just spec. This is just me looking at it from an outside perspective. Obviously, I'm not them and I don't know what specifically happened in those four years, but... That's how I can see it. That's what I can take away from it. See, if you're going to cheat and you don't want to be caught, you can't fuck a 25-year-old. Was he that young? Yeah. They're going to they're going to fucking tell people about it. There's 25-year-olds are snitches, bro. Yo, 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 guess what, guys? I fucked Jada, I fucked Pinkett. Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> yo, that's like clout points, bro. That's literally you know how much clout points. Clout is? Yo, I hey, Will go, Smith he goes up wife. to Jaden. He's Jaden's buddy. He goes up to Jaden. He's like, "Hey, man, how you doing? Uh, I want you to know I fucked your mom. So uh, <laughs> you go ahead and move off the couch. This is my couch now. Oh my go, god! Go fetch me a drink. This is my house. I'm your fucking daddy now. Oh my god! <laughs> I will say, like, I took a lot more from that 12 minute video I watched than I ever expected I could take away from that. You know, that was a great little thing that just happened. And there can be such positive that can come from that for everybody. Not even the party involved, but everybody that watches it. And I'm glad that it happened. Like I said at the beginning when I started talking about it, I'm glad this was public. Um, Dante it's like and- an episode of Dr. Phil with actual mature adults. 
Actually, I can't. I don't even know. Oh wait, Doctor Phil. I thought you said Doctor Who. I'm like, wait, what? I don't know anything about Doctor Who. But yeah, don't no, know. Doctor Phil. Do you remember when Bad Baby was on that? Danielle Bergoli. Yeah, yeah. Catch I mean, Me Outside, that's... girl. Yeah. That's how she got her career, bro. Yeah, that's uh, that's where it all started. Now she's popping. Uh, Will like uh, so Dante had showed me a tweet about um, it was in regards to Will Smith, and it was, it was like, oh, I feel so bad for this man, Will. Like, Jada cheated on him. His wife cheated on him for four like for four years. His son is calling Tyler the creator his father, and Jada's writing to Tupac. Though he's never met him, how much he misses him. Like, and it was just a picture of Will, like, crying. Like, like it was a picture of Will in the interview, but, like, with extra tears added and shit. But I just don't... I, I can see, like... I can see that, like, how it can be interpreted like that. But I can also see the good coming from this, you know? Yeah, that, yeah that, no, that's somebody on Twitter being an asshole. Trying to get some likes and... Retweets. Trying to act like they know people's situation. Like, yeah, Jaden Smith calls Tyler the creator his father in interviews... It's like, yeah, no, he he's probably a, a big uh, role model for Jaden. And so that's why he would say something like that. And you you don't know the first thing about their, their actual situation. I, I think people, people jump to conclusions about all this stuff so quickly. And they just put their own, they just fucking take their childhood and all their own experiences. And they just fucking vomited all over the situation like, and be yep. like this is what I think yeah this is it yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. give me my likes give me my internet points right fucking now mm. Mm. don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me don't you wish your girlfriend was a freak like me don't you <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird <laughs> I'm just thinking of the movie Norbit <laughs> have you seen Norbit Dude, what the fuck? What have you? <laughs> yeah, that's like the worst movie ever. I I was actually okay, dude. I was actually surprised it had a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It I don't think that movie's kind of aged well at all because it's a complete play on all stereotypes, black stereotypes, and um, yeah, did not age well. I don't think. I don't think it was good when it came out. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, White Chicks. I I used to think White Chicks was such a hilarious movie, and then I've like watched it more recently. And even taking the the race thing out of it, like it's not good. <laughs> I've never seen White Chicks. <laughs> what, what kind of movie? Like what? When was it? Uh, when was White Chicks? It was like 2010, kind of close to that okay. uh, time. And it's you know what the concept is what? It's Marlon Wayans. I think Damon and Marlon Wayans. Wayne's brothers. They uh they're like they're undercover cops yeah. doing a uh investigation, but they have to go undercover. And rather than just finding two female cops, they are like, All right, we have to do this operation, so we have to go in as white chicks. What? And they and they completely get like uh, a whole fucking skin outfit so that they their skin becomes white. Um and like they they look like white chicks. But I mean if you look at them they they obviously it's for the sake of the comedy. That yeah, they look like weird. Were they? Are they? Are they actually black? Marlon and Damon Wayans. I actually don't know them. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. No, they're they're black and they 
they put on like all this stuff, this like latex uh, coating on their their skin to oh make turn them into white girls, and they wear like you know, white chick clothing, and then they play on all these stereotypes of like white chicks, and then they uh, is it, that racist? You know, t- t- Terry Crews wants to fuck one of them, and it's uh- hilarious. <laughs> like that's the funny part of the movie is that t- is that Terry Crews is the only redeeming part of that movie is that he's <laughs> the entire time he's trying to like fuck Damon Wayans I fucking love Terry <laughs> Crews I fucking love Terry Crews yeah Terry Crews saves the day in a lot of really bad movies yo and fucking everybody hates Chris yo I loved I loved how just like his thing was like oh that's 22 I don't know if that was his thing actually they might have been only in like an episode but no that was his whole thing what the, was the they, money thing they, yeah, they just like somebody's putting the dishes to the side and he turns, <laughs> runs over and turns the faucet off. He's like, "Yo, that's twenty two cents worth of water right there." That's twelve cents. You gonna pay me that twenty two cents? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> There's this one thing where I just like he's like, "That's twelve. That's twelve cents worth of sprinkles. You better eat it." Oh my god! <laughs> Yo, that that that's a great show, and it's because I mean, first of all, it's based on reality, based on Chris Rock's true actual. Uh, upbringing and life truth. and it's also created and uh, a lot of it's probably written by fucking chris rock one of the yeah. greatest yeah. one of the greatest of all time fuck that's the rest of, and they got they got terry cruz in it man yeah they got terry cruz and uh dude that was a great show that was just that was a, great a great fucking show, show. i loved it I, was- there needs to be more stuff like that. They need to give like real comedians, um, like the they need to just let them can take control. Because every time that that happens, where like a real comedian or a real talented artist takes control of a project, everybody loves it. The second a studio comes in, they're like, "All right, we're gonna be in control. You guys are." We're going to hear you and listen to your opinions and then and in the end do it however we see fit. That always turns out that it always feels so fucking fake and, yeah. you know, far fetched. And it's like it's a facade. It really is. I just used uh, three F words in a row. <laughs> alliteration. <laughs> but baby. alliteration. But when you actually give an artist the reins uh, like Louis C.K., man, I, I I'm not going to speak on Louis's recent shit. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't know who that is. Um, so. Go ahead and speak your mind. Well, I'm I'm just not going to bring it up because he had he has a Me Too thing that went on, oh. and I'm not I'm just I, I have nothing uh, to say about it publicly to be honest with you. Yeah, but it's fine. When I was uh, when I was grown, when I was in high school, man, Louie was my favorite show. It was my favorite fucking show because they gave him FX gave him full control because really? he was probably he was like probably the biggest stand up comedian working like in the world outside of a maybe a Kevin Hart and everybody was loved him he was selling out fucking stadiums theaters he was selling out so many places making millions of dollars so he didn't need a TV show he was in that great Hollywood position where like I don't need you fucking people he, he was he had money you, you just said he had money he was sitting on money he was, he was sitting on money and clout like he's like I will always be able to make money like I don't need <laughs> your I don't need a studio to tell me how shit's gonna work Imagine if you guys that. won't let me take full control of the project, I just won't do it, and I'll just go do my own thing and be happy. Imagine being in that position. Fuck. It's a it's a, a position that not many people get to be in. But he had his show, Louie, for I think two or three seasons, and 
if you've never watched it, I mean, a lot of people probably won't want to watch it now because of uh, uh, of all the press around that guy. But some of the best television I've ever seen. Really taking taking comedy and tragedy and weaving them together so elegantly. I I don't I've never seen anything like it. There is a lot of really fucked up shit on that show, like shit about you know. Uh, being a fucking loser, being unhappy, being depressed, being uh, suicidal, uh, you know, just terrible shit. things happening to you. People like people being horrible to you, relationships falling apart, uh, all the all this stuff. And it's hilarious because it's not comedy that's overtly comedy. It's not on the nose telling jokes. It sounds like it just looks like. You're watching this guy's actual life take place, and the tragedy of his life is funny because the way it's written is funny. That sounds like a fucking art. That sounds like an art in it, of itself. It is art. It's fucking incredible. The there's an episode with Doug Stanhope. I'm sure you don't know Doug Stanhope. No, he's a little nope, bit nope, nope, a little bit know. of a smaller name in stand up, but he's probably he's probably my favorite comedian of all time. Um. Stanhope was in an episode and Stanhope is a drunk in his own life, like a really, you know, just like a super alcoholic type comedian. And he was in an episode and he played a, you know, an alcoholic road comic. He goes up to Louie and he's like, hey, Louie, man, like I'm like, I see that you're doing well in uh, in your in your career and stuff. You're getting spots like, let's go do some shows together. And at, during the course of the night, he tells Louis, like, I'm going to kill myself. Like, I'm not happy and I'm going to kill myself. And Louis, the entire episode, he's trying to be like, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, I, I, I got to help this guy. I got to do all these things to help him kill, not kill himself. And towards the end of it, Louis, like, is getting fed up with it. And he's like, look, man, I can't tell you to not kill yourself. If you're going to kill yourself, do it. But I, you're not going to put this on me. It's not my fault. Wow. I didn't do anything. Uh, you are living your life and it can be fixed. And if you... It can be fixed? Can, it can be fixed. Uh, you, your life isn't completely over and wrecked. But if this is your solution to it, by all means, do what you feel is right. And it, it's just like a, a such a realistic depiction of life. And Robin Williams, before he um, passed, from uh, before he killed himself, he sent an email to, uh, to Doug and Louie that that episode of Louie was the by far the best um, showcase of suicidal behavior wow. he'd ever seen on on screen. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow! Shit! Yeah, powerful stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Fuck! <sighs> wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah, rest that's, in peace, the type, Robin Williams. that's the type of shit I like, man. I definitely got to check that out after this. Definitely text that to me. Yeah, no, I'll I'll, I'll send you a. It, I don't think they have. I'm, I want to know if they have Louie. What's the show called? It's called Louie. Yeah, it's just called just Louis. for the viewers and for me, I guess too. <laughs> yeah, and if if you guys want to comment and uh, you know trash me for talking about this, uh, despite his Me Too allegation, uh, yeah, you, I guess you can go ahead and do that. Um, because I'm not commenting on it because I'm not I'm not just going to put my opinions out there because I respect the man as an artist and I and no matter how detestable I find his actions uh, he still made art that meant a lot to me. Well said.
I know there are a lot of artists out there that have shit like that that people don't even know about or people do. Like, example, Kodak Black. He makes music. People enjoy it. He makes bangers. People enjoy it. Yeah, he has a not-so-clean history or record and still continues to somewhat have not a clean history or record. Yeah, he has, like, a sexual assault allegation against him. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people out there like that that... I, I'm I'm I've always been of the belief that you separate art from the artist. I talked about six nine on my own podcast, and I I just talked about him. I was, I was trashing him. I was making fun of him because <laughs> <laughs> fuck him. But I I brought up <laughs> early on in my trashing of him. I was like, yeah, no, uh, the the child sex abuse scandal. I uh, forgot about yeah, that. that. That is just evidence that he's a scumbag. But I'm not here to i'm not trying to talk about that right now i don't talk about those things when i'm talking about an artist's work you know i i don't bring it up because i completely have always separate the art from the artist i separate bill cosby from his comedy i separate r kelly from his music michael I jackson separate, from his music i separate michael jackson from his music woody allen from his movies i don't even know doesn't woody mean any hall you, you don't know woody allen no no i kind of do but, but i don't know anything about him but just because you find their actions detestable and you believe that they should be in jail or you think that they should be punished, which I do, I 100% do, um, doesn't mean they didn't make a compelling piece of art. Well fucking said. Really. And also, I want to add, in the midst of all of this, if you ever keep up with internet drama... I'm not one to do that, but I've actually gotten into the beauty drama a little bit just because I'm doing beauty stuff now. Um, there's a lot of fucked up shit going on. A lot of lies, a lot of blackmailing, a lot of just not truth and not talking about things and not dealing with your problems head on or privately and making things public when they don't need to be public or just not going to a therapist and trying to help yourself. Going back to the Will Smith and Jada Pinkett thing, it's just, I've said it, I said it multiple times in this podcast, I'm just so glad that that has been out there, especially in the midst of this Shane Dawson, Jeffree Star, Tati, James Charles spiel, and I know there's a lot more that I have no clue anything about this beauty drama or the drama on the internet or YouTube drama, and quite honestly, I don't really buy into it, I don't really care about it, but I, like I said, I have been kind of listening to the Tati, Shane, Jeffree thing. But I'm just so happy that this is out there, the Jada Pickett thing, because it is just a great example of of honesty and open discussion and just resolving things. And I'm glad that yeah. happened. I'm so glad I, that I, happened. I'm glad too. I'm not glad a hatless situation happened because oh. it's a uh, it's it's t- it's probably really hurtful for the people involved. But the the way they handled it was was with such grace because the way that gets handled by most like celebrities and couples and stuff like that is. They, people th- make their own theories. Oh, I think Jada Pinkett cheated on Will. Here's all my evidence of the way they've acted in interviews and the way they've acted around each other. And they have all these conspiracy type videos. And then you have people like, you know, claiming that like, oh, they're covering something up. They're covering something up. They're doing people this. They're doing make that. make money off of that shit. People yeah. make money off of others' lives. <laughs> drama channel. Oh my God. Drama channels. Like I'd never watch a drama channel, but that shit, I don't know. Like, like. It's just a, like, yeah, people are into drama, but like, it's a dedicated just network of just 
this fuel of controversy and sometimes hate and just all this. And it's like, you yeah. are in charge of, you are literally influencing the masses' minds. You We're have spreading to, hate for money. You have to understand the position you're in, the influence you have on people. I also forgot to mention that all this TikTok drama too. I've been looking at my story and like, Charlie D'Amelio, I, I guarantee you don't know these people, Carson, you might, but Charlie D'Amelio and Lil Huddy and all their little Hype House friends, they had this whole little high school drama thing that literally should have been between them. But it just got on Twitter. And Charlie even came out to say, like, this is high school drama. Like, our, we should have just done this, like, privately. I don't know why we did it. She said something along those lines. And I was like, I, I, had, I had respect for her for saying that, you know? Because she realizes that it's not anybody's business but their own. Yeah. No, you, that's, that's 100% it. It's nobody's business but your own. Like, un unless you guys have come to some sort of conclusion and you want to inform the public because you're uh, in the public eye and you have influence, don't just air your fucking dirty laundry out <laughs> just to get views. <laughs> oh my uh, God. You know, you know who's somebody I'm who's on my fucking shit list right now? Who? DJ Academics. Fuck that dude. I've, I used to like him. I don't know what I know. I've heard a lot of shit going on with him, but. Dude, I've never really been into academics because I've always thought he's that type of like drama uh, patrol type guy. Yeah. He's like he's like a, the TMZ of rap. I could see that. And, you know, I, I've never really had a whole bunch of, uh, of nice things to say about him. But the fact that he attacks, you know, he gets in 6 ix corner because he's, you know, because he knows that there's money to be made by being friends with 6 9 That's what he knows. Uh. Uh, and then he goes he goes on and he attacks Freddie fucking Gibbs. Freddie fucking Gibbs, who's an OG in hip hop, who's an excellent artist, he attacks him and says he's not relevant because he's not like fucking Drake level famous. That's insane. Like, how can you even call yourself a journalist of hip hop if you're gonna if if you're not gonna be supportive of people who are more independent artists or smaller artists? And Freddie Gibbs is a pretty well known name in hip hop, like. He's he's just a complete asshole for that. It sounds and, call, like and saying all that stuff about John Legend and Chrissy Teigen and saying like, "Oh, John, you got to go get come get your wife, like come get your wife. She's acting out of pocket." Like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? It sounds like he's just starting shit to start shit. To be honest, how you put it, I don't keep up with academics. I used to like watch his videos from time to time, probably 2018, 2017. But look, it looks like. We're about to hit the section. You know what section that is, Carson? Could you remind me what section that is? That is the uh, booty pop drop locking rock and rolling <laughs> <laughs> song of the week. Song of the week. <laughs> so my song of the week I have chosen this week. I was actually listening to it this morning. I was as I was on the toilet. It might be a little too much information for y'all, but it was "Life Is Beautiful" by Lil Peep. And I really love that song. It's just, it makes me cry almost every time I'll say that, as I do cry a lot when I listen to music. But um, it's just beautiful. I'll preface that by saying that Carson was the one that got me into Lil Peep. I didn't even know who this guy was, I don't think, before I met Carson. And he showed me Switchblades. And what's some other ones that you showed me? White Wine. White that was wine. probably the first one I ever showed you. Yeah, I fucked with that song. I remember walking around campus 
I forget the words right now. They're not coming to my mind. I, I have no one by my side. side. This pretty is a pretty young white bitch. Hop up in my ride. Took her to oh, the crib me. and I showed her how to die every night. And I wake up and I'm still and fucking I'm still high. Fucking high. Don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, no, life is beautiful. I truly think life is beautiful. I know, like he's saying, like it's he's saying life is beautiful. But he's also saying like life is, like it's like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's double it's entendre because life is a horrible sometimes, but it's also beautiful. You just really have to find the beauty in things in life, and that's how I go about life. Like, I could be in jail, I could have a, I could have a mansion, I could have it all, and still be ha- like fucking sad because I'm not happy on the inside. I could be fucking in jail for ten years and be the happiest motherfucker because I'm happy on the inside and I'm not happy with myself. I could be on the fucking side of the street with nothing and still be happy because I'm happy on the inside. And I just love that song. And fucking rest in peace, peep. I didn't really, I, I didn't know him until before he died. Carson, like I said, was the one that got me hip. And he just, he does got some beautiful music. And so with that, I leave you with the song. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. This is Mikey signing out. And this is uh, Carson signing out. Oh, you said it. <laughs> you said it. Uh, I'll say it. I guess I'll say it. Until I think of something better to say, I'm like, fitting. I'll say it. It's fitting. But. I hope you all have a good rest of your week. Tune in next week, 8 p.m. Wednesday. You know the drill. Now on Spotify and pretty much all streaming services. Um, thank you, not, Tyler. Not on Damn. Apple. Not on Apple Podcast yet, but we're getting there. Not yet. I don't think. I think it's gonna upload at some point. But see ya.